Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. So this is my inspiration. You're my inspiration, by the way, as you know. Eric, Eric, we have Eric Burns today on the podcast, Habits and Hustle. Thank you for coming, Eric. Thank you for having me, Jen. It's, uh, it's just so seamless to get onto this thing and uh, this oh. whole setup. It is very normally. Prof- it is very professional, though. Listen, we, we we like we we don't like we don't like to do like second rate around here. Normally, no. this is how we would normally have it, right? With the treadmills facing each other. This right? is what I'm talking. This is what I'm talking about. So I was on the treadmill thinking I'm going on your podcast, and I'm like, Jen, this is perfect. Yeah, no problem. I, I'll, I'll see you there. And apparently, here we go. I know. Well, do, I told you. Can't do the phone. Like, I gotta have a headset. I gotta have a laptop. Have to have a Chrome browser as well. <laughs> I know. Well, I, 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 I thought you knew that. That was in the notes. But it's because we, we value your information so much that we didn't want to like take it lightly and put it on a on an inferior platform. So that's why we're using this platform. Ha- have you heard? that basically they've done a study on people in the browsers that they use. And it's Adam, it's Adam Grant, honey. Yes. And so if you <laughs> use the Safari browser, then you're just, it's basically what the phone and the computers usually default to. Then Absolutely. you're less likely to have success in life because if you're willing to challenge the status quo and get into the Chrome or the Firefox, then um, you know, obviously the uh the potential that you have is limitless. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how much I buy into that. Um, I will say I use a Chrome on this, and I typically would do Safari on my laptop. But my life, and I don't know how your life is, apparently a little different. But <laughs> uh, everything in my life is on the phone. Everything is mobile. And it, it's, yes, from my from my calculations and research, eighty um, percent of the people basically do everything mobile. You're absolutely right, and I love the fact that you started this podcast with um, a, a piece of research that Adam Grant did. Because number one, he did that in his TED talk, which I was like obsessed with, and then I used that piece of information in my TED talk. Because I liked it so much, because it does give you a very, very um, simplified uh, explanation of people who are going to be successful or not, and you used it. And this is why I love you, Eric, because you re- you retain so much information. So if you guys don't know who Eric Burns is, I mean, he is a professional baseball player, right? He was not anymore. He was. He's an endurance athlete. He's a broadcaster for the MLB Network. Uh, he started a charity. He also holds a world record in speed golf or two world records, right? For 12 holes and 24 holes, right? Right? 12, hour, 12 hours and 24 hours. If it was only 12 holes and 24 holes, I don't think it'd be any kind of record. But yeah, it was uh, most holes of golf played in a 12-hour period, which was 245. And then most holes played in a 24-hour period, which was 420. So a couple long days, oh to say the least. This is probably the, you're probably one of the only people in the world where I have to actually I really believe I really say this and I believe it. Like I don't think 24 hours in a day is even enough for you because 
you like you basically take every second of your day and like make it count with productivity. Like you really are the 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 poster child for anything productivity. You've literally pivoted so many times. Most people in life like they're a baseball player and then like they retire and then that's what they are and that's how they're known. But like I also didn't even know this until I just saw this in your in like when I was like going on your website because Eric and I are actually really we're good friends and we never talk about baseball. I don't even know about your baseball career, but you were actually drafted to the Dodgers and you you opted out to go to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jen, I got drafted three times. I mean, baseball is kind of funny because obviously when you get drafted, it's not like you go directly to the big leagues. So. You know, my options was basically to um, sign with the Dodgers, in which case I would have gone to a low-level A ball or a rookie ball to start my career off. And then option uh, B, actually, it was Great Falls, Montana, is where I would have gone. And then option B uh, was to go to UCLA, and <laughs> it really, it really wasn't. Um, much of a decision process for me. I, it was kind of a no-brainer. I, I've always valued education, um, you know, even more than education. I think, and I, I feel like I, I realized it back then too. Was the experience that college was going to give me for the rest of my life? And ironically, this is, I guess, total fast forward here. But you know, you talk about productivity and how we live our lives. It was at UCLA in which we created, that's my roommates and I created um, a list and we had a big whiteboard and we called it the effort list. And each day we would have our little slots and we would chart everything that we would do that day. And basically what it was, was a pissing contest for four dudes with way too much testosterone, but (laughs) we had a blast doing it. And so it was like, wake up, cold shower, Yaxo weight training, art history class, a hundred swings before practice, a hundred extra throws, practice, hundred swings after practice, uh, you know, watch video, boom, uh, study, study group. Maloney's pint night, like whatever, all the way until the very end. And so we would list all these things. And, um, you know, after I got done playing baseball, I went on, I played, uh, geez, all four years at UCLA um, and signed with the A's and made my way up from the minor leagues to the big leagues. It's five different levels, like I talked about, Um, but got to the big leagues and played 11 seasons there. And then when I got done, I, Felt like I had, geez, all these great accumulated experiences um, that I wanted to document. And so over the course of, let's just say like the next seven years, I spent a lot of time writing. And writing was always my passion, especially in college. Um, I was a history major, so a lot of writing was a good thing. I I liked it. Uh, But I had all these things, right? And, And all these experiences. And essentially what I did is I figured I'm like, man, they're all really cool stories, but what sort of value am I going to give you or anybody else if you decide that I'm going to pick up and read this thing? And so it ended up becoming what became known as the effort list, life lessons from a human crash chest dummy, which was my nickname uh, when I was played baseball. And uh, it was just kind of funny how the whole thing came full circle from you know, figuring out really kind of how to be productive in college and, and how to regiment my days and then having that carry on through 
my my entire uh, baseball career, and then being able to acquire the wisdom, say through those experiences, to later even add. This is well after I wrote it, right? To be yeah. able to draw out those life lessons, um, and it's just I don't. Know, it's obviously something that you know I'm really uh, proud of. Not, more so than anything, it's, it's obviously it was an opportunity to share some really cool, fun stories, but there's value in it, right? And it's it, there's a, there's a, something that, and it, it's funny because one of my friends read the book just recently, and his name's Ryan Tolner, and he was our quarterback at St. Francis. He's probably, if not the number one football uh, NFL agent right now at, at this point, he is definitely one of them. Um, Jared Goff is one of his clients uh, amongst many other people. But Ryan's like, hey, man, he's like, I just got to tell you, he's like, I don't know if I, I really like the book and, and, and was laughing out loud because I know you and I knew half of the stories, um, you know, or if I really liked it because you were giving me something each chapter. And it's not anything that's like groundbreaking, right? It, it's, it's not something that we haven't heard before. And this goes back to all the modern day self-help people. Like, <laughs> you guys are acting like this shit's new. This shit is not yeah. new. This shit goes back thousands of years. I mean, we, we go back to the Stoics, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius, Seneca. Uh, I mean, there are so many, you know, people um, who have championed say, say this way of living um, and and this grander perspective that we can all take. And so Ryan was saying, he's like, look, man. He goes, nothing, not, none of this just revolutionary. He goes, but damn, we need this stuff on a daily basis. And that's where you talk about routine. You talk about hustle and habits. That's what's so important is the fact that we're going to be able to get up day in and day out and, and consistently go through our day because we're a fucking wreck. Like we're emotional human creatures that are like this all the time. And so, no matter what, we're always going to be that way. And the only way to stabilize that is through routine. I mean, and how, but you're like, like an exceptional force. I mean, I mean, there's, it takes, you're, you do things. I mean, like, for example, like, I don't think I've ever spoken to you with you not like running like a, a, a marathon daily, right? Like you're doing something now that you're running during quarantine 20 miles a day, right? Right. I mean, how so, some like you're like you're like an extreme. How do you tell people? Like, how do you tell people? And, and like, I'm I'm sure people ask you this all the time. For someone who's wants to be productive, they want to create more um, healthy uh, habits and routine. How do people start? Like, how do they like start doing it? I know I want to like you even started with your kids. Like, you're doing a daily a kids daily hustle, right? Which mm -hmm. I think is brilliant, and I want to. I'm actually going to start that with my kids. Um. Like people are not going to start running twenty miles, but what were you always just like this, or did you have to like build up to it? Did you have someone that kind of shaft, like kind of like mentored you? But that's a process, right? You build up to something like that. So of course, um, as far as everybody else, uh, you know, my message, whether it's through the daily hustle, which is basically an extension of the effort list, which is a blog that I do each morning in a podcast five days a week. Uh, my message is not to go do some of the crazy and stream shit that I do. Uh, unless you want to build up to it, then we can discuss it and we can become training partners. <laughs> but but the, the idea and concept 
is to just do something. And the problem is, it's the start that stops us. And so everybody has every excuse in the book why they're not doing this and why they're not doing that. Uh, and we just fail to get going. But if we can establish a routine, um, establish you know common core things that no matter what we do on a daily basis, I'll give you an example for me. So I wake up in the morning, whatever time it is. I mean, it could be anywhere from four to seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, you know, a lot of times I'll just you know, especially now during the quarantine and I'm not traveling across the country for work or anything. It's just, it's, it's real easy. And I just kind of listen to my body. And when I'm ready to get up, I get up. But as soon as I get up, it's just like, (laughs) you know, big thing of water by my bed, chug that down, go and brush my teeth, take, take, take my bulldog, Tuve, put them on my, put them on my shoulder. I walk down, I let them outside. The coffee pot is already set the night before. Boom. So I hit that. I take my butter, I melt it, it, it put it in the coffee, I, I melt it in the microwave. So I have a hot cup, melted butter. By the time that's done, the dog comes in, I feed it some cheese, I pour my coffee, I'm ready to go. Now I got my bulletproof coffee, which is a fuel for the day. You want to put fat in your body if you're going to be going all day because it teaches our body. First thing we put in our body, if it's carbohydrates, it's going to want carbohydrates for the course of the, the whole day. If, it, if it's fat, your body's going to continue to burn off fat. So quick little you know, nutrition lesson is basically our body has the ability to run off of carbohydrates for two hours. Our body has the ability to run off of fat for two days. So think about that when you're putting shit in your body because you know ultimately, if you're shoving it with sugar and carbohydrates... You're gonna you're gonna run out of your fuel source now. Right. Once you're going and cruising, and then you're in the middle of the workout or the middle of your day, if you want to have sugar, if you want to have carbohydrates, great. That's fine. We're rolling. But when you kick that off, you're teaching your body. It's the whole concept and idea of the intermittent fasting, right? That I think that's how you, you say. Do you do that? Are you doing intermittent? I, you- no, no. I just look. I eat. I eat a gigantic dinner. Um, I, I'll 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 drink a at least a couple glasses of wine every night, maybe have two tequilas, uh, and go to bed and, you know, wake up. You do? And, oh, every night, every night. If you look at there's blue zone regions of the world, um, a fantastic uh, book I just recently read. And they talk about the, the centenarians, the guy, the people that live to be a hundred years old and blue zones are areas of the world where there's an unusual percentage of centenarians living in that area. I mean, they talked about some of the common themes, um, be it diet, um, be it, you know, say mentality towards life. Um, and, and, and also, you know, little things, you know, like I said, drinking alcohol or whatever else. Um, (laughs) there's a, there's a pretty common, whether it's Sardinia, uh, I believe it's an Island off of Northern Italy, two glasses of wine every single night. There's, there, there was one, I believe in Costa Rica, same sort of thing. They love their, they love their liquor. They love their cocktails. Um, and, and more, if you, if you could do it within moderation and, and if you think about that, that nice light mental buzz that you have that, that mm-hmm. alleviates the stress anxiety. I mean, that's what ultimately, you know, kills us. Now, the other thing, and the reason the blue zone regions of the world, um, you know, are, are, are so, you know, much of these outliers is that 
these older people, this older generation, as you get to be 90, 100 years old, they're celebrated. Where we here, for the most part, in the United States of America, we want to shove them in a home and go away and go die in peace. Get out of here. Where you know, everywhere else, it's like, nah, like, like these people are heroes. Um, so then the other thing is they, they all work. They all have an ikigai. Um, uh, Okinawa, Japan uh, was, was mm-hmm. a blue zone area. And whether it's, you know, going to work in the rice fields or, or doing something, whatever it is around home, um, they all had a, a purpose. In, in, in Costa Rica, they called it the plan de vida, uh, a purpose of being able to, you know, when they get up in the morning and, and, and get after it. And when we take our heads off that pillow, we got to have an idea of what we want to do. The other thing, they're all very routine oriented. Right, mm-hmm. they're just boom, boom, boom. It's the same concept of the effortless, the daily hustle, um, and it's just, it was just fascinating to to hear all of these things, um, and it just it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. Uh, they also they all live with family. Um, here's another fun fact that I learned. Uh, I believe it was from that book. If not, it was from something else. But for every daughter that you have you can add 18 months to your average lifespan. Really? Think about that. Yeah. For what, what's the reason behind it? Like your what's da- their... Your daughter's going to take care of you. Your daughter's going to be there for you. Your son doesn't give a shit. Your son's gone. That- He's off making his yeah. own life. It's just, it's just natural sort of thing where your daughter right. will sit there and give you the love and attention and care that you need and make you feel warm and important that... It's uh, it may, makes That's a lot of interesting fact. It, yeah, it, may, it makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of. It sense. makes a lot of sense. I've never even heard. I've never heard that. Give well, me some more facts that you've. I mean, listen, you're like you're like full of them. I have like a, a list of them. Every yeah, uh, your newsletter. I tell you this all the time, and I was not just bullshitting you. It's like the best newsletter I've ever seen because it literally you learn like your friend said, Ryan. You all you don't just send out nonsense. It's always you always learn a good fact or like a, a nugget of information that you otherwise would never have known. You know what I mean? I'm like that's the kind of newsletter and that's the kind of information that you know I. I I appreciate because it doesn't happen often, right? People are usually mm-hmm. just wanting to sell you something and it's amazing. I mean, the only thing that you sell right now, I think is your foot, your foot reflexology uh, board, which I love. I mean, not really, but <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we sold, we sold out of those two. So they're right. right yeah. Right. So three weeks gone. Yeah. Wow. So that, now that's a part of my daily routine is a foot reflexology board. And the reason why they sold so quickly, there's no doubt in my mind, we only ordered a thousand, but, in my mind, it's like when you can live what you sell. What you do, yeah, yeah. You, like if if you live, I mean, you live what you like. That's and, and it's it's kind of the idea of the daily hustle stuff. Like, don't listen to me because I'm going to sit here and spew bullshit from my mouth, telling you guys how to live your life. Listen to me only because. I show you how to do it. If I'm not showing you how to do it, I immediately, whoever that person is, I, I take, I take inventory and be like, dude, should I really be hanging on every word this guy's saying? Should I really be buying into it? Unless he's living it and left, unless he's doing it. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's what you well, do, wait, what, what you do is who you are, Jen. And, and I, if you're not yeah. living that lifestyle, you're a fucking fraud. 
I and, and it's not. I'm not trying to look. I'm not throwing daggers at anybody. If anything, if they're in the self help motivational world, I, great. I, I I would rather just inspire whoever that is that has a nice broad audience that relays and conveys a very nice message. I'd rather now. It's like all right, time for that person to take their own inventory of their own lives and figure out if they're authentically living it. Because if they're not, their words ring hollow to me. Right. I mean, so let's go back to your daily routine because it's like fascinating to me. Okay. You wake up, you have your fat in the co- in your co- coffee. By the way, how long have you been doing that? Is it because you started to do that while you became an, an endurance athlete or is it just because when did you start and you see I, a difference really? In I, the, learned, in I, learned, I learned about it with the whole endurance thing because I was, I was, I would, all I knew is I'd get up in the morning and it was sugar and carbohydrates. So however it was, and even, even if I was right. drinking coffee, it was usually a, a, a latte, maybe it had sweetener in there and whatever else. And I, I noticed like I'd get an hour into my workouts and I would feel like I'm crashing. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I would go out and I, I, I actually read something. Um, this is when I first got into triathlon and I was training for, I believe it was my first Ironman. It might be my first ultra marathon. But basically it was like, hey, look, do like it was like this week it was like do three 30 minute pre-breakfast runs and their concept of, was like the whole thing of the intermittent fasting right it's like teach your body that you don't have anything in you and it's like i instead of relying on, on a carbohydrate source or sugar i want to rely on fat for fuel because yeah. when i go do an iron man and i'm out there for 10 hours then basically what happens at some point i'm going to have to rely on burning that fat and so that's when i bought into the bulletproof coffee and started doing some research on it and figured out that was a thing and this was this is a while ago right i mean it's, yeah. it's become a fad but this is i don't it's know this is seven eight fad. years ago so, I feel like it's come it's come up and it's come down. There are people who still really believe in it, and then there's been a lot of research saying it doesn't really do anything. But I do like the fact. I mean, that's should, the thing, right? But save the research. Listen to your body. How does your body feel? And I don't care if it's just placebo effect, whatever. Our whole goal in life should be to have consistent energy. To mm-hmm. have that energy exactly. last. From the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, we, the, the peaks and the valleys we want to eliminate. And so how do we best put ourselves in a position to achieve that? So, right. I, Can I ask you a question? You said two hours for carbohydrates that you have a two hour span. Uh, fat, you have a two day span. What's protein? If you have like, you know, just eggs with like veggies or something, what's a protein? Fat. How long do you have? Mainly fat. That's a fat. Yeah. yeah. So that would be more on the fat. It, although yeah. it's not like a stick of butter. And you use you use you use grass fed and all the other stuff, right? Like you do the yeah real of course. You know. yeah. Now that, that was okay, another give big. Uh, give me other stuff that you do. Well, that was another big thing within the blue zones area. So everyone ate. It, it wasn't necessarily. They were plant based diets. Uh, They're heavy plant based diets. Uh, most of the regions did eat meat. Um, pork was actually the number one meat that people ate uh, in those regions. I don't know if it was coincidence or what, but they ate more pork uh, than anything else. Um, you know, 
as far as uh, as far as my routine and 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 what I try to do is, of course, focus on organic, local. It's the processed foods, right? The 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 ones that can if your if your foods can preserve for a year, you shouldn't be eating it. So you, you right. like the best way to look at it is like look, let's find an expiration date like quickly here. Um, and I, you know, that was, but again, that was a real big thing in the blue zone regions. It's like they all ate locally, all of them. And a lot of them farm their own foods and, uh, right. and, and whatnot. So it just it eliminates all the chemicals that are used, uh, to preserve the food. So yeah, that's, so besides, uh, okay. Be, that's besides the food. Like you have, tell us the other, cause you do so many extraordinary things during the day. So you have the butter and you have the butter in your coffee. You have that. G- give me foot, a couple foot, others. Okay. The, the, foot, foot, the, thing. the foot, re- foot reflexology. So a lot of and times what, what I'll do. Okay. So the foot reflexology is it, it stimulates the blood flow in the body. And if, if you think about, you know, and, and people ask me all the time, like, dude, how do you run 20 miles a day? Now, you know, when I did the try across America, um, for right. the let them play foundation, I was doing 30 to 40 miles a day. Uh, I was biking a hundred, 150 a day. And what I learned from that is that the only way that we're able to get up and go the next day is by getting the blood circulating. And so each day I would start, it was very difficult. And that's the reason why you don't see people run 30, 40 miles a day and then get up and do it again. Because what happens is the blood flows down to the legs, muscles, tendons, ligaments, and inflammation happens. And it's natural. It's part of the healing process. Naturally as well is us going, fuck, man, this hurts. I'm sore. I don't want to move. So we become sedentary. We don't move. And the inflammation continues to set in. It takes a while to get out of there. No bueno. So if we can get up and move, it's almost like the same concept uh, as PRP, which is Mm. when they take your blood, they re-inject it, circulate it around. It gives you fresh blood. And that's what we're doing on a daily basis. So uh, the foot reflexology stimulates that immediately in the morning. I do it for... I, I've gotten in a routine right now is that I'm doing it for 12 minutes. Um, you know how badly it hurts. I try oh. to encourage people to get to about seven, but uh, your feet get used to it uh, over time. Um, and I will do it while I listen to my calm meditation app. And so that's- right. So you're like basically like multitasking, of course, of course you would. Wait, so is it similar to grounding when you put your feet into the earth or is it a different idea? Like what is, I thought you were big into grounding too, I right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so is it at, different? Yeah, at least once a day. Well, yes, it, it is different. In New York City, when I'm there, it's it's tough to get the grounding in, you know, at times. I've stopped a couple times mid-run on the West Side Highway because I see a plot of grass <laughs> and I'll take my, my <laughs> shoes off and put my feet uh, into the grass. Now, the, the concept and idea of, of grounding um, is that our bodies are electrically charged. And so the same way where you have two positive charges on a prong and you stick them into you know, the, the electrical outlet, the third outlet is the grounding, right? And so that mm-hmm. keeps it from total combustion. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so our bodies work the same way. So it's like, go, 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 go. And through the course of our anxiety and our stress and all these, 
you know, electronics that we have on us the entire day. I, I have a feeling that just continues to electrically stimulate us in so many different areas. And so put your feet in the grass, your bare feet in the grass, and you literally can feel the electricity dissipate. Now, I look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not a certified nutritionist or strength coach or any other thing. I, I am just speaking to you guys through my experience and what has worked for me. And I noticed, especially when I was doing radio and I first kind of read about this grounding thing and then started doing it every day is that, I mean, I come home at like midnight after doing, uh, <clears throat> you know, post game warriors or San Francisco giants or whatever it was at KMBR 680. And it was just, like I had a million things going on, right? I was going back and forth between the MLB network. I'm working this, this, this late night radio, uh, you know, Tara, my wife was, was pregnant. We already had a kid on the way. It was just this mass chaos in my life. My dad passed away. Suddenly it's just this kind of weird time. And I, I remember that was, that was it. When, when I started the grounding and I just felt like, and it really had an effect on me. So essentially I'd say just about every day since then, um, I've gone back to it and and it's just a huge stress for reliever for me. If you think about the best way to uh, envision what it is and what it feels like, uh, and, and to try to relate and to see if you can go take yourself back to that time. But when we, we, we were kids and we were playing in the grass and we were running around and we were barefoot. Think about like that. It's almost like you just smell it and feel it. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And, and that like super special time. And it's yeah. not coincidence it was actually really working and you know we as adults we just we get away from these things so that's um yeah that's definitely a a daily um routine that i'll do and it doesn't you know it could be the grass it could stick into the mud i have rocks here with uh, a stream in my backyard um that i'll i'll go ahead and put my feet in in there as well um whatever whatever can provide that feeling i'd say go for it so it's not just grass and you could do it in mud, you could do it in sand. Is it the same? Do you get the same benefit though by doing it in all those other places? See, see how it feels for you, right? Okay. It's, like, so, it's, like, so, it's the same thing with food. It's like, I, I could tell you what to eat. <laughs> Look, and this comes to food allergies and everything. The best thing that you, when, whenever we're talking about anything health-wise, how do you feel after you mm-hmm. eat? How do you feel ha- after you have a big steak? How do you feel after you have sushi? How do you feel you know, after you have a big thing of pasta? How do you feel you know, after you eat tacos? I don't, I don't know. I, I just think about whatever it is that you, after you have a big sandwich. You know, how do you feel with, you know, if you have massive carbohydrates or you, know, you, just, eat, you just eat meat and, and, and fats? How do you feel after you just, is, is, is it vegetables and fruit? Um, you know, it's the same thing with the grounding is how do you feel when you put them in the sand? How do you feel when you put them in the ocean? How do you feel when you put them uh, into a creek? How do you feel when you put them on a rock? Wh- whatever it is, when you, whatever makes you feel good, that's the stuff we need to be focusing on. And, and the best way to put it too, I mean, shit, we all feel good. Like, you know, there, there's certain things that could be really good for us and it's, it's fleeting. 
right? That's not the that's not the sustained high that I, I'm I'm talking about. I'm talking about the thing that gives us energy for the rest of the day. That's what we need to focus on. That's the most important thing, um, you know. And that's what I try to think about, you know, when it comes to nutrition or anything else really that I, I do with my life. How do you like, but where does it come from? Like, what is it inside of you that is so, that pushes so hard to, to do all of this? Like, do you ever just want to just like chill? And like, do you ever watch Netflix? Do you ever just relax? Like, what is it about? Like, what is it? Like, why are you, not why are you like this, but kind of like how, why are you like this to this level, right? Like, it's not just routine. It's the it's the um, drive to constantly challenge to um, to like everything you do. It's like to the extreme. It's not like I'm just going to like go for a jog today, you know, or I'm not. I'm just going to do, you know, I'm just going to drink a cup of coffee. Everything is like over the top. Um, ha- why like, is there a, is there a reason in there, or is it just because you just like it? Well, my boy Kowalski says anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Moderations for right. pussies. Moderations for pussies. <laughs> now, my boy Kowalski's a little twisted, so I I, I wouldn't go as far to Who's say Kowalski. By the way, just a friend of yours, just a boy. random guy. Okay, uh, it's my, my boy. It's my brother from another mother. He's just one of the one of the few guys that is into all the stuff that I'm into. And um, you know, when you when you start talking about you know the ultra endurance world, you get a bunch of unique characters. And so when you can find one that, um, you know, becomes like your dude, uh, training partner, guy, girl, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So Kowalski was with me on the, the try across America, uh, just about the entire oh. way. Yeah. He's, he's mm. my wingman. He was the guy, uh, mm-hmm. when I broke the world record for the 24 hours of golf, uh, he was by my side. Uh, I ended up, I ran 106 miles while playing the 420 holes. He he was he was by my side start to finish the entire time, and w- actually ran next to me <laughs> as as a pacer for eighty miles of the uh, hundred and six. So yeah, that's a uh, that's a wingman. So I just you know what, Jen, I I, I don't <clears throat> I I know it seems extreme to the normal person. What's ex- you know what's extreme in in one person's world. It's relative um, to how you prepare. And do I chill? Yeah, I, I chill. My, I tell my kids my favorite time of the day, like by far and away, is sitting down at the dinner table with them, especially during this quarantine time. And that's the uh, that's when I do my my phone detox. So I'll have no electronics uh, with me at all, and from there on till the rest of the night, and I, I'm just done. It's like. Finally, we get to dinner. We sit down at the table during this quarantine time. We've been calling my mom every night. Um, you know, we put her up there. Now we, we use my wife's phone because I refuse to have my phone anywhere <laughs> near me. Um, yeah. And even through the course of the day, what's cool is that through all of the extreme training that I do and the running the 20 miles and, and everything, I'm able to remain efficient and effective uh, yeah. through the course of communications. I could talk on the phone while running. It's not a big deal. Um, whether it's a podcast that I'm going to do, uh, it's writing the daily hustles. I, I write those when I run. Um, you do? Yeah. How? You're right. You're, how do you write? Right. Yeah. 
Just are you just, serious? That, yeah, that's serious. It's 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 crazy, but it, it's it. I've learned how to do it. It's not it's not a problem. I I have all these great thoughts because what happens is extra exercise stimulates the mind. Um, and so we're that's getting- why I do it on these because I think that's very important for focus and for cognitive ability. I, I agree with almost every, I mean all, everything you say. By the way, that's why I love you. It's just that I can't. I mean. It's just, it seems like so extra to be like, I ran five miles today and I was very proud of myself. And I'm like, oh my God, I have Eric coming on who just read five miles is not even like a, a warm up for you. You know, so what, what, what did you and I do when I was in LA a couple years ago? I know. So the first time I think I ever met you, no, no, maybe the second time, I don't remember. Uh, you're like, hey, let's go for a run. And I ran what, 13 miles? Like, no big deal. That was no, pretty you, impressive. You, you, had, you hadn't been running either. No, at all. I wasn't. I know. Yeah. So the, was, here, here's one of the things we're capable of so much more than we believe we are. It's just, we put limits on ourselves as to what we're able to accomplish. And it's amazing to me how we become, um, fixated on these distances that are preordained, uh, by the society that we live in, be it the mile, the 5k, the 10k, you know, uh, the half marathon or the marathon. And it's, it's funny because I, I had a buddy of mine recently, I was in Arizona and I, <clears throat> I'm 44 years old. And on my 44th birthday, uh, I ended up, uh, I run every, I've done this ever since 40s. I, I run 44 miles. I ran 44 miles on my 44th birthday. And so I had a buddy of mine <clears throat> and I was down there actually coaching my kids, uh, baseball team too. And one of my buddies, had not run more than five miles in uh, 10 years. Way back when uh, he ran a half marathon and he was in his like young 20s. Cause the guy's about my age. So he's like, hey, man, he goes, can I, can I run some of those miles with you tomorrow? Because he knew I was going to run 44 miles. And I said, bro, of course. I said, how many you want to do? He goes, ah, oh, he's like, you know, I, ha- I haven't gotten more than five in like 10 years, dude. So yeah, I mean, if I could get five or six, that'd be cool. I go, what's the furthest you've ever run in your life? He goes, 13. I did half marathon, you know, back when, you know, long time ago. I said, okay, cool. I'm like, we'll go 15. And he's like, dude, you're fucking nuts. No way. I go, bro, we're going 15. And sure as shit, showed up the next day. I'd say no problem, but he was great until 13 and then 13 to 15, he was struggling, but to, to break that barrier of, Mm -hmm. Hey man, like, and he, he's, he's in shape. It's not like he's completely out of, you know, he's just, he does other things, right? right? He's a big rower. He's South African dude, RTL, um, very successful guy, um, worked, works for Zora. Uh, com- com- software company went public recently. So anyway, it's just we we get caught in our little worlds, and then we obviously we have these limits that we adhere to. But mm-hmm. what I learned through the Ironman slash ultra marathon slash ultra endurance world in general is that there are no limits. Like the limits are, are, are solely what our mind puts on there. And 
So, you know, so long as we're willing to continue to put one foot in front of the other, we'll shock ourselves at how much we're able to accomplish. But the problem is, is that everybody is, is number one, they have a limited mindset. Number two, nobody likes the pain. Nobody likes to suffer. Nobody likes to hurt. But, you know, when you think back to some of the times in your life where you have, you know, let's just say have these revelations, um, it's only when you've suffered and it's only when you've broken barriers. And that's, those are the ones that hold the most meaning and value uh, for all of us. And, Look, someone else can might try to argue, oh, that's not true. Well, this and that. Like, there's no the con the concept of, of just having this eternal lasting success um is it's just is bullshit. There is no success without failure. There is no hot without cold. We will not know what 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 greatness will feel like without experiencing the other end. And you will never get here without without earning your way there, and it's a process. But so many people are are scared of the process. And what's amazing is that if you just simply put together a routine of doing something each and every single day, you'd shock yourself at at, at the productivity that you'll find in your life. And again, it doesn't. This isn't about running a hundred miles or. You know, playing a bunch of holes of golf or doing a triathlon across the country or any other like I, that's not it. But it, it's about it's about living your life and leading by example. And whether it's showing your coworker, your friends, your classmates, or whoever it is, um, but it's you need you need to be out front. And and I think our world just would be much better off if 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 we had people willing to willing to push those envelopes. And I mean, I just, that's, that's what's always, uh, I'd say obsessed me to, to do that. And and it's the impact that we're able to have through action. Um, and that's, that's important to me. Yeah. I saw, I think you, I think one of your daily hustles, which is what you call the newsletter is you wrote something. I think you called it like the uncomfortable value or something like be uncomfortable. Like the whole idea about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable to push through that threshold. Right. Like that's basically, and it's true. I mean, it's very true. And it's true. I think that people are so much more capable, but people are scared. They're like mired in fear that they can't do it or they're going to fail. Um, so that's great. And then what was that one I liked that you were talking about? Like the thermostat versus the thermometer. Uh, thermometer. Yeah. So I, I mean the, the well, the thermometer is the the one that, you know, you're the thermometer. You're you're gonna you're gonna go up or down based on everything else that's going on around you, right? Where the, the thermostat is, is the one that's consistent. You're setting the temperature. And so we as a society, especially in you know today's world, is we react with everything that we hear. And, and so it's like, if you're watching the news every single night and you're having these emotional reactions and, and it's, you know, you're happy one day, you're sad one day because they're saying they're opening this County, they're closing this County and it's this and this and this and that. It's just like, look, you know, <clears throat> life, life's not fair, 
but our reaction to life is. So we're all going to deal with different shit through the course of our entire lives. But the question is, um, how are you going to react? Because what is fair is our ability to respond to whatever is thrown at us. And so long as we understand that, like our peace and our happiness and our joy, it's all, it's all up to us. These are, these are all subjective things that are internal that we get to decide upon. The outside world is, is it's a fucking yo-yo trying to pull us up and down and up and down and up and down. And the amazing thing is, is that the majority of us fall victim to it. And we let that dictate our, our mood um, in our being. And, and it, sh- it should never touch that. It, it's not everything that we, everything that we control in life is, um, it, it's, it's gold. It's, it's the most important thing. And, and so when you can distinguish what you can control and what you cannot control, ultimately, that's when, I don't want to say we've uh, achieved this peace, joy, happiness, whatever else, because that's a daily thing that continues to go on and on and on. Um, but at least we're in, the, we're in the right place to consume whatever the world uh, has to offer us. It's like, how do you do that though? Right? Like, is there like, is there like a, how do you work on your mindset besides it? Or is it like the fact that you're so, you know, active, you're saying something when I was like showing you my little treadmill situation, that exercise keeps you focused, gives you that it kind of elevates the, your ability. So is it kind of like momentum, right? Like once you start, it's easy, it's, it's easier to keep going, right? Versus um, because you're already like doing it, it's like an object that's is that's in motion stays in motion type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. It's um, thank you. Yeah, but you, but you got You got to get going. Um, you know, you have to. One of the things that my dad said was is just fucking brilliant, and I never understood it when he was alive. He would say, "Don't take your feelings too personally." And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, my feelings are my feelings. My feelings are everything. Like I, I you know, I when I played baseball, I was an emotional player, and, and I I reacted to my feelings all the time, and um, you know, I, I felt that's what drove me and got me to the big leagues and kept me in the big leagues for 11 seasons. And golly, if I would have been able to apply that to my baseball career. I would have been so much of a bit a better player, and it, it, like not even close. Because my issue was that I would emotionally react to my feelings, and if I went into a little bit of a hitting slump, it was like, I mean, this thing turned into a drought. It would spiral downhill badly, and it was just I was so. <sighs> And the funny thing is on the flip end of that was that if things were going well, they went really well. And so I was, could be the best player in baseball for, you know, one week. And then, you know, the next two weeks I was the worst. So, um, but I was, I got caught, I got caught up in my feelings and I took them personal when we, when we were able to step back and take almost like a third party uh, observation of, of what's going on. 
you have to understand like you know things for things you know especially when it comes to other people almost everything is not personal and and even if it is for whatever reason it's like they have underlying issues that they're dealing with that they're just taking out on you and so when you're able to really understand that it's, it's a liberation in life that man i mean I couldn't even tell you. So it's tough to understand. Uh, I still have people constantly ask me like, so like explain to me the don't take your feelings too personal. And I'm like, it's almost, it's, it's almost like you got to live it. It's almost like you have to really kind of go through it um, to understand and, and go through what I went through in a, in a baseball career, go through the endurance endeavors that I've gone through <laughs> and when you're hurting and you're emotionally crushed and you have fucking, you know, 30 miles to go in a hundred mile race. And you're just like, I don't, I don't even feel like I could take one foot, put, take one foot and put it in front of the other. How am I going to continue to do this? And, and then you, you start again, you're taking your feelings personally. You're like, dude, just step out of it and, and, and go. And, um, you know, I think I've learned through those experiences um, what that actually means. What would you have done if baseball didn't work out for you? What would you have? What would be your other career, or profession? I kind of like. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because when I was a kid, I I wanted to play professional sports and I wanted to talk about professional sports. So, right, you know, my passion was 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 broadcasting. My passion was debating. Um, you know, I loved. Uh, I loved a good, I won't say argument, but a good, just a good debate. And it was fun because I, I like playing both sides. And I grew up listening to talk radio in San Francisco Bay Area, KNBR 680. And that's why when I first got done playing baseball, even when I still play baseball, I, I was really heavy in the media because that's what I wanted to do. Now, um, you know, what, what I actually would have done, I, I don't know. I mean, my parents were... Uh, both in real estate. My mom still is in real estate. Uh, I definitely think I good chance I would have, you know, taken more of an active role in that. But you know, it's not it's funny because we I just recently wrote a, a daily hustle on this. And it's like, you know, I'll get questions all the time, you know, especially when I do a podcast like this. Um, and people don't really know who I am. And so it's like, okay, this, this baseball guy, you know, endurance sports athlete, uh, he's a broadcaster. Like, how do you identify yourself? And the answer to that is you are, and I am what I do. And so one of the problems in life is that we over identify ourselves with a specific thing. Where it's like, fuck that. I like, I, I don't need labels. I don't. If somebody else wants to label you, let them do it. But when you look at yourself and, and who you are, just understand that you are what you do. That's it. Every single day, you have a choice of how you're going to get up and live your life. And guess who you are? You are what you do. So. You're going to get out what you put in. Um, 
you know, you want to be a baseball player, play baseball. You want to be a broadcaster, broadcast. You want to be a real estate agent, study the market. You want to be a lawyer, study law. You want to be a doctor, same sort of thing. Like it's just, you know, if you want it, if you want it, whatever it is you want to do, do it. Um, but don't over, I don't ever, ever over identify yourself with whatever it is that you're doing, because that's what was one of my issues as a baseball player that I struggle with was that if I had a great game, I'd go home and Hey, life's great. Daddy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm friends. Everything else. If I had a shitty game, I'm coming home. It's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I feel like I'm walking down the street. They, everyone realized everyone's like, Oh, there's Burns. He's in an 0 for 10 slump. Mm. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares about your problems. And the amazing thing is, and even as a public figure that went through it, 99.9% of those people had no idea if I went 0 for 4 or I went 4 for 4. Yet I think everybody's looking at me like they all they all know. Quit being so gosh damn fucking egotistical to think that everybody cares about our problems because they don't. Right. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I know you got to. I got to wrap it up with you. So I want to ask you something because you're an avid reader and very knowledgeable, and you retain everything, which I can't believe. But um, what are you reading right now? And what's your favorite hey, book of all time? This, um, oh, jeez, favorite book of all time. Uh, well, I, the all-time thing. It's a. I mean, it's a really tough question. Um, I like I read I've read a lot of Ralph Waldo Emerson that I, I, I really like. Self reliance is is just you know an iconic essay. Um, you know, so there's a there's a collection of his writings that if you want to kind of get to the root of it, I, I would classify him as he's by far and away our greatest modern day philosopher. John Wooden's actually a close second. Um, yeah, I, I thought you'd say that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I went to UCLA. I had an opportunity to meet John Wooden. Um, had breakfast with him. He handed me a card at the end of breakfast that I, I think it was kind of a standard card that he would hand out, so he wouldn't have to, you know, sign all these things. And on the card uh, was an owl, and it said, "The wise old owl sat in the oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Now, isn't that a wise old bird?" And uh, John Wooden, this was like, oh, man, wow, yeah, it's heavy. So, um, right now, I'm actually I'm I'm reading uh, a very uh, interesting one. I just finished Lynchpins. Uh, Seth Godin, I think is how you say his name. Oh, and, Seth Godin, yeah, 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 yeah. You liked it? I did. It's 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 how to uh, make yourself indispensable in a dispensable world. Um, yeah, there was there was two things uh, two things in there. I just wrote a, da a daily hustle on it. Um, when I didn't get it, no, it's it, it'll it'll come out in a couple weeks. I I, oh, I, I oh, spent okay. a couple weeks ahead on the. I I literally I wrote it today. Um, oh, okay. And it, and it talks basically. Uh, he talks about. I mean, I'll get it right here. It's fascinating, but he had two. So what I tell you, I, I mean, I, I write, I write these right here. Uh, in, I'm very impressed. You're very impressed in, in my notes. So yeah, there's two things uh, that linchpins do that make them vital to an organization, right? 
And so the first is to exert emotional labor. Uh, and the second is to make a map. And the funny thing is, and I titled, I titled it like passion with purpose. And my dad used to say this and a lot of the shit that I, so my dad was a four, three black belt in Kempo karate would read all the far Eastern sports psychology stuff, wow. like crazy, like really into that. Tony, like as a kid, like, you know, how you drive around with your mom or dad in the car and they, you know, mom would listen to easy soft rock or whatever. My, <laughs> my dad would listen to Tony Robbins. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is way back when, right? Right, I mean, right, right. 80s, um, early 90s. So, yeah. so I, I got it started. Yeah. And I, I got, so I got a lot of, a lot of this stuff is like stuff my dad kind of fed me, but when he was alive, it was, you know, I just kind of brush over to whatever else. But one of the things he used to say, passion and purpose, passion, purpose, passion, purpose. And I realized that in this book, it's like exert emotional labor, right? So what, what is that? That's fucking passion. It's like, it's going beyond anything. It's going well beyond, like we all have a job to do, but when you exert emotional labor and you put your emotion into it, now you're exerting your passion. Now, the other thing is make a map. Well, make a map. You know, I mean, that's purpose, right? Like that's, that's it. That's leading, leading you to a direction. Like, where are we going? Because passion without fucking purpose is all over the place. It's messy. We, we, don't, mm-hmm. we don't know. That was me as a baseball player. It's passion without purpose. <laughs> right, I, right, right. I, I was all over the place. Hey, some good days, some bad days, and who knows what you're going to get. But passion with purpose. And, and when he talked about the linchpins, that was, um, I don't know, that, that, that really hit home uh, with me. So I wrote about that. The next one that I, I started, geez, I started a couple days ago. I think the happiness advantage, um, written by a kid that went to Harvard um, and kind of made it his mission in, in life uh, to figure out how happiness um, affects all of us. And is, and is it something like, is it, are we working to have success and then we'll be happy? Or are we happy first? And I think most people in today's world would be able to answer like, look, like you have to be happy first. Before, like, if you're chasing happiness, you're fucked. You're not like, no, yeah, happiness first has got to happen first, and then everything else, you know, will follow after that. But the question is, how do you become happy? And you know, it's it starts with it starts with loving what you do. It start it starts with getting up. Take this back to the Blue Zones book, and and your ikigai, your plan de vida, your purpose for life. You you got. You got to be able to have that one little thing because I'm going to have my kids do it tomorrow morning. Um, that I wrote down, and what I do is I'll, I'll take little notes and I'll listen to it. And if it if it if it hits, then uh, then I'll take notes and, and put them down. Whether it's for a future daily hustle, or just for something else. But he was saying that uh, the author was saying that there's three good things um, that if you could find three good things to write down that happened in the last 24 hours and you do that every single day, it's automatically like the, he went into like four or five different like studies and tests, like this group that did it, you know, and, and everyone, all everyone's equal, right? So this dude, this group that did it uh, for a week, for a month, for six months, for a year, 
even after they stopped it, their happiness continued. Write down three things that good things that happened. And they, they just to be little things like, hey, I really enjoyed my podcast with Jen today. Boom. <laughs> Put it down. Um, I, it, she, damn, that, that, something, something about those tacos tonight were fantastic. Boom. Put it down. Uh, you know, I loved how my, my, you know, 11 year old, I this morning woke up and as I wake up, like I hear the door shut and I see her running off in the distance, taking off to get her, her mile daily hustle run in made me happy. Right. So just three things now over the course, if you know, you're going to do it the next day too, you're constantly searching out things, those make, three things, things that make you happy. And so if you close your eyes and I, and this is the example that he used in the book, he said, close your eyes and picture the color red and now open your eyes and you're going to find something. And immediately I found I, without, without thinking about it, let's see if you guys can see it. I just found this focus red right here. Right. Wow. Yeah. So that, today, I, I just did that also. So did you find something? Yeah, I did. I found uh, this thing here. Yeah, right here. exactly. It could be the, the littlest thing. So today I did it and there's a big red barn on the, on this property of this uh, area that I live. And I, I literally closed it. I didn't think about it. Like as I'm listening to the book, he's like, close your eyes. And I'm going to close your eyes. He's like, think about red. And I'm like, think about the color red. He's like, now open your eyes. And right in front of me was a big red barn. It's like, holy shit. That is amazing. That's Why red? Cool. I, I, it, it has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. It's just, it, it goes to show you how powerful our minds are. Yeah, and it goes to yeah, show yeah, yeah. you that we see what we seek. So if we're seeking happiness, we're going to find happiness. If you're a miserable fuck and you're seeking, you know, misery, you're going to find misery. That's I love so you, true. What's that? Yeah. I love you. I, I love go. that book. Okay. What's that book called? I want to get it. Happiness Advantage? Uh, I think it's called The Happiness Advantage. I'll send it to you. Okay. I know. You got to run. I'll, we'll do this again. You're the best. I love you. You're amazing. Amazing. Fun. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.